One thing that I have been impressed on and and really dealing even in my own life with as far as just conviction, realization, is the understanding of, of family and understanding that church is made up of families. The church is only as healthy as the families that call this place home. And what we have to realize is how do we get a healthy church? We have to cultivate, develop, and disciple healthy families. So over the next couple of weeks, I want to talk about Sukasa. But in talking about your casa, we're going to talk about Mikasa. And, and so that you know that there is hopes for your home. So anyways, I got a quick little video, intro video, and then I'm going to come up and I'm going to talk about Mikasa and Sukasa. I'm sick and tired of living in this small house. You need to make more money so we can get a decent place to live. I'll sneak out and meet you around midnight. My parents are clueless. They'll never know. As long as you live under this roof, you'll do what I say. I don't care what you say. You can't stop me from going to the party. I saw you checking her out. I was just looking at the brand of her jeans. I thought they might look good on you. All right. Who's going to pray this time? Me. Dear Jesus, thank you for all the ways you blessed our family. Somebody say, bless this home. The reality of it is, is that many of us in this room, we all work jobs and live lifestyles in hopes that we can build a home. And a home for many of us that are here today is a place that we desire to be our sanctuary. It should be a place that we can go home and feel safe. It's a place that we can uh, see children come to, and and and. And their lives be developed and structured. It's a place where our hard work is paid off. It's in places like home that, that we develop an atmosphere, that we do life together. But here's the reality of it is many people under the sound of my voice, you've went and you've worked hard to create your home to be a sanctuary. And the reality of it is, is many people actually dread the place called home. They don't look forward to going there. They're not happy with their marriages. They regret ever having children. They feel like home is more of a burden than a blessing. I want you to know, though, God's plan is that your home be blessed, that your home be the sanctuary. The reality of it is there's people under the sound of my voice, and the only place you encounter Jesus is right here. That was never God's plan. God's plan is, is that he be the God of your home. The Jesus that's in your home should overflow into this house. This is a house of many homes. And yet it's what happens in your house that ultimately determines what is able to happen in this house. See, the reality of it is, is we show up here every week. We are not showing up here to just encounter Jesus here. We are bringing Jesus with us when we come. And so often the reason why maybe you may be sitting in service and you're not feeling anything or maybe there's a hindrance, the reality of it is, is there are many people in this room, usually every week a couple hundred people that come and the reality of it is many of them come in bringing a couple hundred bags of baggage and luggage that got in fights on the way here. Oh, y'all ain't never cussed at your wife before worship. Okay. Sorry. 
You know, you know what I'm talking about. Let's really talk about homes. I'm talking about riding down the road and, you know, you're just driving to church. Oh, yay, we're going to church this morning. And as you are, your three-year-old toddler decides to take his water bottle and chunk it at the back of your head while you're driving. You don't turn around and say, bless the Lord, oh, my soul. No weapon formed against me shall be able to prosper. You probably look at him and you, you little brat. If I wasn't driving, I'd rip your... Let's be real. And then those people, because God knows I ain't one of them, shows up here. That was a joke, y'all. Just so you know, that was a, a real story that I told about me. Um, those people show up here, and then we, to worship you, I live. And the reality of it is, is God can never bless this home until the people that are in here, he is blessing your home. The job of the church is to equip fathers and mothers to be spiritual priests of their home, to lead a house in truth and righteousness, that the spirit of God be encountered in your home, not just at the altar of Dominion Church. The little cartoon video is funny. I'll have another one next week. But the reality of it is, a lot of that speaks of the conversations that go on in homes in this room. It's been said, though, that many work their lives to create a home as a sanctuary when in all actuality it becomes a place that they dread going. Gary Chapman, the author of Five Love Languages, said a very powerful quote, and he said, I've never met anyone who regretted investing with investing time with their family, but I have met many who regret that they did not. You'll never see somebody on their deathbed. Let's talk about me. I don't think I'd ever meet another home builder on his deathbed that if I asked him, man, what could you do? Him to say, man, I wish I could just build one more 2,000 square foot home. But I do believe you'll meet many a man that say, I should have went on the field trip with my son when I had the opportunity to. I wish I would have held the hand of my little girl one more time before I walked her down the aisle to give her away. So the reality of it is, is many of us will live life with regret of what we do not do with the family that God has entrusted us. I want you to know it's God's plan for your home to be blessed. God desires for you to have a blessed house, but he cannot just take mess and bless it. You've got to give him mess so he can bless it. You've got to allow him in. Listen, many times, a, a lot of times when people come over to our house, what do we do? We clean up because we don't want them to see the mess. Let me tell you something about Jesus. Jesus, when he comes to your house, he wants all the mess. Why? Because he can't help you fix what you're trying to hide. See, for far too long, the church has made these picture-perfect families with little, uh, it's why I call it fake book, because if you want to, oh, look at their marriage. It's just so perfect. You look at Jamie and my, you know, our, our profile pictures or cover photos. You're like, oh my God, look at them walking down the beach. I wish I had that. And I'm like, bro, you don't even know the turmoil that took place before that picture was taken. Don't, don't you get to see. And you don't know about threatening to choke somebody on the beach after the picture was taken. Okay? You don't know. But the reality of it is, is your home cannot be blessed without the blesser. 
If you want a blessed home, you got to have the blesser in your home. Matthew 5 is a chapter known as the Beatitudes. If you learned about it in, in church, kids' church, you would have learned that it was the attitudes to be. In other words, it is Jesus' sermon, and as on his sermon, he is telling the people how they can be blessed. We have a heart and a desire to have blessed homes, and so to, through this series, I want to break down the Beatitudes of some attitudes that should be in your home. How is your house blessed? I believe one of the ways that your house can be blessed is Matthew chapter 5 and verse 6 that says blessed are those who hunger and thirst after righteousness for they shall be satisfied they shall be filled the new king uh, James version says father I thank you for your word today I thank you that as we gather together under the sound of my voice it is your word that we gather together under father I thank you that you are desiring and you are developing and you are uh, deciding now, Father, even now to bless homes. And nobody's here by accidents. Nobody's here by coincidence. God, you truly desire for homes to be blessed, God, because your house is made up of many homes. Father, we speak prosperity over every home that's here under the sound of my voice right now. Father, that as they prosper, your kingdom prospers. And we thank you for it, Lord, in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. The chapter of Matthew gives characteristics of those that are blessed. And today, to have a blessed home, we first must discover what God himself, these are letters of red that are in your Bible, what does God call blessed? Well, Matthew 5 and 6 says, blessed are those that hunger and thirst after righteousness, for they shall be filled. They shall be filled. They shall be filled. Catch this. He says, if you hunger and thirst after righteousness, that's your job. Turn to your husband, turn to your wife. If you're a single mama, look at yourself. If you're a single daddy, look at yourself and say, that's my job. That's your job. Hunger and thirst after righteousness. Watch this. But when you hunger and thirst after righteousness, Matthew 5 and 6 brings a promise that if we hunger and thirst after righteousness, God will in turn fill it. Let's be honest, the reason why most homes are looked at begrudgingly, that are looked at through burden, that are looked at problems, some of you wives do not like going home, some of you husbands don't want to go home, you'll stay late at your job just so you ain't got to go home. Let's be honest, the reason of, of it is why is not because as much that you're not hungry and thirst after righteousness, but it's because there is an emptiness in that home. The reality is there's empty marriages in this room. There are empty parents in this room. There are empty daddies in this room. There are empty mamas in this room. There are empty bank accounts in this room. There is empty joy in this room. But Jesus said in Matthew 5 and 6 that if you would hunger and thirst after righteousness, he would fill it. He would fill what? He'd fill your peace. He'd fill your joy. He'd fill your marriage. He'd fill your, your, your reason of living, your purpose. He would fill it. But you've got to hunger and thirst after righteousness. That's your job. God promises that if we will hunger and thirst for righteousness, he will fill it. Better yet, let me ask you something. If I were to come to you and say, hey, do you guys hunger and thirst for righteousness in your home? There'd be a lot of people, yeah, yeah, Richard, yeah, we... We pray, you know, at the dinner table. I'll ask a better question. Let me ask your children. You know, you probably 
ask my children, they'd be like, be like, um, hey, does, you know, does your daddy talk to you about God? They'd be like, yeah, yeah, he does. And then they'd be like, um, does he ever yell at you? They'd be like, oh, yeah, yeah, he yells at you. But he yells at my mama a whole lot more than he yells at us. <laughs> See, because children tell the truth. And there's a lot of things that we'll fake, that we'll hide, that they'll tell. So here's the reality of it. Do you hunger and thirst after righteousness? And if so, let's talk to your children about it. This question and studying prompted me so much so that I wanted to ask my kids. So I asked my kids. I talked to my kids. And the reason why I talked to them is because I wanted to know, how do you view this home? What's the way that you look at our home? What's the way that you view mommy and daddy? And I'm going to tell you straight up, I didn't come away beating my chest saying, glory to God, I am full of the Holy Ghost. Hallelujah. Honestly, I came away with a little bit of conviction because there's some truth of some things that they said. They said some good things. Don't get me wrong. But they said some things that cut me to my heart to make me realize, you know what? I don't want to walk around and everyone think, oh, what a blessed home. And yet there's my poor children caught in the crossfire that are really speaking the truth. And the reality of it is I believe nobody sees it uh, better than children because I believe they see things through the eyes of God. For the Bible says that, that those, the little children, for such is the kingdom of God. It's unless you become like a child. In other words, unless you see it for what it really is, quit being fake. Really speak out what, what it is. Quit lying to yourself and calling it good when God's calling it evil. So whatever you hunger for, the truth of it is it takes the most amount of time and your energy. How do you know what you hunger for? I'll tell you how. What is consuming your time and energy? What's consuming your time and your energy? You say, yeah, we hunger and thirst for righteousness. Really? Check your screen time. Yeah, we hunger and thirst for righteousness, but the only time you pray as a family is at the dinner table after everyone's practically eaten and then somebody gets a spirit of conviction and says, oh my gosh, we didn't pray and ask the blessing. See, there's many people here today and you're hungry for comfort. You're hungry for fun. You're hungry for popularity. You're hungry for likes on Facebook. You're hungry for more Instagram stories. You're hungry, you're hungry, you're hungry. But the truth of it is, as many of you, and myself included, need an appetite change. Yes, yes, yes. We need a change of appetite. What am I talking about? We need to change. We need to reevaluate what we are hungry for. Did you know medically that when you're not healthy, the first thing the doctor will do is check your appetite? Oh, somebody's going to catch this. Did you know when you are not healthy, when you're not healthy and you go to a doctor, the first thing that he will do is he will check or she will check your appetite. Why? Because what you are consuming eventually consumes you. And so if you're starving for things of this world and you're eating the things of this world, this world will eventually eat you. See, if I had a pizza and I had an orange, many of you would choose the pizza because of the way it is, the way it tastes. It tastes good. It looks good. It looks a whole lot better than an orange. Thought about going by Little Caesars and doing a little prop preaching this morning. Watch all y'all grab a pizza before you would an orange. But I decided I wasn't going to contribute to your malnourishment. 
The reality of it is, is this though, that many people in this room would grab the pizza. Why? Because it tastes good and it looks good. But when you neglect the orange, you're neglecting the nourishment that it provides. And the reality of it is that's a lot of us in here this morning regarding our relationship with Christ. Let's be honest. The world looks good and the world tastes good and there's a whole lot in the world that feels good. But it is not conducive to our spiritual health and righteousness with Christ. The Bible even says that sin is pleasurable for a season, but in the end it brings forth death. In other words, it may look good, it may taste good, you can eat of it, you can think you're having fun, but it will not be fun when it takes your life. A lot of times in our homes and in our lives, we're always pursuing what looks better, what tastes better. We're purchasing things so that we can show people that everything's better. But the reality of it is our Bibles sit dusty. Our knees sit uncalloused. Our children know nothing about Jesus other than what they learn about him at church or at school if they go to a Christian school. The reality of it is, is that it is your job, Daddy. It is your job, Mama, to be the spiritual leader, to lead them, to guide them, to direct them. Let me tell you something. They should talk about Jesus more than just at church. But, but, what you eat, they want. Oh, you don't know? You, you must not be a mommy and daddy. Ask Jamie and me. We, we sit down. We, we fix the kids one meal. You know, they get their little chicken nuggets and french fries. And then we, we go get a Zaxby salad. This is God knows. We maybe want a Zaxby salad. And don't no child want a Zaxby salad unless you're our children. They don't want the chicken nuggets. They want the Zaxby salad. It'll be tongue torch. It'll burn their tongues, but they want it. Why? Because mom and daddy's eating it. Catch this lesson. What your children watch you eat, they will want. You don't want your children to party? Then don't party and show them what you're eating. You don't, my God, hear me. You don't want your children to sleep around? Then quit bringing home a different man every week. You don't want your children to live in a poverty mindset? Then quit talking about how broke you are. Because what you eat, they will want. What would our homes look like if we hungered and thirst after righteousness? When I see the condition of this nation, it is not a product of the church. It's not a product uh, 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 of the schools. It's not a product of the government as much as you want to cast blame on the White House. When I see the condition of this nation, it is a product of the homes of fathers and mothers that have rejected a God that said, I am for you. I will help you. I will lead you. I will direct you. I'll provide for you. I'll watch out for you. All you got to do is Proverbs 22 and 6, lead your children in the way that they should go. And when they're old, they will not depart from it. What would our homes look like if we really hungered and thirsted after righteousness? So what is a blessed home? It's a home that hungers and thirsts after righteousness. But before your home can be blessed, let me tell you some things that will not work in blessing your home. I'm going to help some people. 
Because some, some of you teenagers, you hear, you're like, oh, God, we're going to leave in here today, and Daddy's going to start a Bible study in the living room tonight. <laughs> now, you heard the preacher. Y'all got to be in this word, or you're going to hell. <laughs> Look at me. See me eating my Bible? Don't y'all want it? <laughs> Let me tell you what won't work. Legalistic Christianity. My greatest conviction, straight up, as a pastor, as a preacher, is I don't ever want Jesus shoved down my children's throats. You can ask her right there. My prayer has always been, all I want them to do is know Jesus for themselves. I don't want them to know daddy's Jesus. Don't want them to know mama's Jesus. I want them to know Jesus for themselves. And in ministry, one of the most dangerous things is, especially in many churches, thank God, not this church, because I don't care. I'll fight you over. It is what it is. My children ain't perfect, nor, am I, nor is my family perfect, nor am I ever going to come in here and let you think that we're perfect. Why? Because I refuse to allow the church to hold my children to a standard that he himself has not. The church has made errors in making many believers believe that Christianity is a list of what you can't do. And while we've developed that mentality, what we have done is neglected the ability to empower people in what being a Christian and what being a Christ follower empowers you to be able to do. You want to talk about, well, I can't party, I can't sleep around, oh, I can't even eat all off the buffet line like I used to. But the reality of it is, the Bible said, yeah, there's some things you can't do, but it also said you can walk on scorpions, you can tread on serpents that no weapon formed against you will be able to prosper though a tongue rises against you in judgment it shall be condemned though one come at me in one way they're going to flee in seven it's time that we stop raising a generation to make them think that this thing's about what you can't do and start making them realize it's what you can do I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength y'all know the old church saying if it makes you grin, it must be sin. <laughs> we made church out something like it ain't even fun. That's why churches are empty and the club is full. Oh, y'all don't want to talk about that. Why? Yo, ooh, my God, this ain't in my notes, but I'm going to preach it. I'm going to preach it. I'm going to get on your level so you don't think I'm talking down to you. Why is the club fun? I'll tell you why. The club's fun because you can go there. You can act any kind of way you want to act. You can be up on anybody you want to be up on. You can act as crazy as you want to be. And then we blame it all on, huh, I was drunk, I'm sorry. You know, I wouldn't, I wouldn't have said that if I was drunk. Let me tell you something. Everything the enemy has is a counterfeit of what God has. And it's time that the church get to a place where it's so turned up for Jesus that we drink in the new wine, the Holy Ghost wine. We tore up from the floor up. And when we jump and when we dance and when we run, we look 
at him and say, sorry, I was drunk on the Holy Ghost. Why? It's time that it gets so turned up. People start getting excited about what Jesus is doing. Sorry, the Holy Ghost got on me and I couldn't control it. You know the saying, don't drink, don't smoke, don't chew, and don't run with boys that do. Sadly, that's what the consistency of many of our children's relationship with Jesus. Some dude comes up to your daughter and asks her to prom. Do you smoke? No. Do you drink? No, no. I don't drink. Do you chew? Well, I dip a little bit. I can't talk to you. Why? What's wrong? My daddy said you're going to hell. No wonder people don't want anything to do with this thing called church because we made it more about what you can't do than what you can do. Why does legalistic Christianity ruin your home from being blessed? Because rules without relationship lead to rebellion. I'm going to say it again. Rules without relationship lead to rebellion. You don't believe me? Ask that thing right there. Oh, she was raised in church. Matter of fact, what, 21 years without missing a single Sunday? 19, sorry. Why? Because she was going to church. But Pastor Jamie Meyer, I'll tell you straight up, that very dragging to church put something in her heart, a wedge, that when she got to college and she didn't have to go to church no more, her words, quote unquote, she went buck wild. Maybe it was butt wild, buck wild. Why? Because rules without relationship lead to rebellion. Mama and daddy, let me help you with something this morning. Do not beat Jesus into your children. Husbands with wives that don't want to serve Jesus, wives with husbands that don't want to serve Jesus, love them where they are. Because rules without relationship will lead to rebellion. What you'll do is you'll create a generation that retaliates against the things of God rather than drawing close to them, rather than hungering and thirsting for righteousness. They'll be puking up all over the place. Religion, religion, religion. Let me tell you something else that does not work. and I'm coming to a close in a few moments, about 15 Let me tell you something else that does not work for moving your home towards being a blessed home. Lukewarm Christianity. Legalistic Christianity and lukewarm Christianity are the first things that will kill your home from actually being blessed. See, lukewarm Christianity is simply believing in God but not living like he exists. What is lukewarm Christianity? Believing in God but then living like he doesn't exist. See, lukewarm Christianity is sitting there watching a movie with the family gathered around and they use GD, God's name in vain, 17 times in the first five minutes and guess what? You don't get up and turn the movie off. Oh God, bless this. You got your little floor mat. 
that you walk up, God bless this home. As for me and my house, will serve the Lord. You go in and sit down on movie night, and they GD and they mother effing. Y'all, y'all ain't ready for this. And then you talk about God bless my house, but you pumping trash up in it. You got the sewage line turned up into the TV, pumping trash. Moving on. So what does work? How do we move our homes towards being hungry and thirsty after righteousness to truly have blessed homes? Can I tell you something? I'm going to tell you something that's going to shock you. We need less focus on Christian families and more focus on Christ-centered homes. What, what, what you talking about? There's a lot of Christian families where the husband kills the wife. There's a lot of Christian families. There's a lot of Christian families that, that children grow up in a Christian home, but I was raised in a Christian home. Yeah, here's the problem. You were raised in it, but it never got in you. Because your attitude, your disrespect, your demeanor, your mentality, the way you talk to your elders, it, you, you may have been raised in it, but, but it does not, it never got in you. The reality of it is, is, is calling yourself a Christian is no more than going and standing in a garage and calling yourself a car. You can be in it, but until it gets in you and changes who you are, it's of no good. We need less focus on Christian families and more focus on Christ-centered homes. What's a Christ-centered home? It's an understanding that his word is a lamp unto my feet for my darkened path. It's an understanding of the precepts and the promises of God that it's not just something that we go to church and hear about, but it's something that we live out loud in our home. That's the difference. I don't want a Christian family. There's plenty of Christians that will go to hell. But there is a reality that those who have set their mind on the law of God, the goodness of God, and his mercy, who hinge their life around who he is and what he's done, that are being transformed by the image of Christ into the image of Christ, those are homes that are blessed. See, Christian identifies you as a larger part or a group, but being Christ-centered puts Jesus in the center of your home. One of the pillars of this church, the first pillar that this church was built on was Christ-centered. We are a Christ-centered ministry. And the, pre, and the little title up underneath that, if you go through and read it, Christ-centered, everything we do hinges on Jesus. Jesus at the center of it, truly believing that apart from him, we can do nothing. We need more Christ-centered homes. That everything we do swings off of Jesus. Do I watch this TV show? Jesus is in it. Jesus is not in it. Jesus won't be glorified. Y'all don't like this old school preaching. It'll be all right. I'm going to preach it anyways. That's why I don't pastor for a living. So I can preach what God gives me to preach. Hallelujah. I'm not here for a paycheck. Hallelujah. I'm not here for an income. I'm here for the outcome. Hallelujah. Glory. See... Psalm 63 and 1 said, Oh God, you are my God. Early will I seek you. My soul thirsts for you. My flesh longs for you in a dry and thirsty land where there is no water. Let me help some of y'all. You'd be like, I can't even get up before 6 o'clock. That, that scripture put me out. David said in Psalm 63, Early I will seek you. Do you know what he said? He said, I'm just going to put you first. Guess what, bro? You like to sleep in until 10? That's great. Don't roll over and check Facebook. Roll over and check his book. 
Oh, man, they'd be like, preacher, you'd be dropping bombs. I'd be like, yeah, because God told me all this to do it for my life personally before I told you. Where does he get this stuff from? Usually my chastisement moments with Jesus. He's like, hey, Kyle, quit rolling over, checking Facebook, start checking my book. So what else helps in having a home that's blessed? Help your family see God as a loving, approachable, and involved God. How do you move your home towards being blessed? You help your family see God as loving, approachable, and involved. In other words, everything you do as a family, God wants to be a part of it. God wants to be a part of it. How do you know if your family sees God as loving, approachable, and involved? Let me ask you this. Do you ever talk about him apart from church? Is he involved in discussions other than times of dinner time prayer? Or is God just something you pick up on Sunday mornings and Wednesday nights? Because if that's the case, no hit against your parenting. But it is an identification that your home can't be blessed. Because until you show your children that he is a loving, approachable, and he is there, he's involved in everything that y'all do, you'll never cultivate a relational Jesus to them. And what they'll think of is something religious that they just show up and do. Let me tell you something. Religion tells you to show up and do, and relationship says go and be. Three ways, and I'm done with this, to create a hunger for God. First thing, involve God in daily conversation. Listen to me, guys. I'm teaching you how your home can be blessed. So it's more than just a floor mat that you step on before you walk through your front door. Get God involved in daily conversation. Talk about God. You say, well, preacher, how do you do that? I'll tell you how. Next time you're riding down the road and your child, your son, your daughter, your wife, your husband, this ain't just about children this morning. This is about homes. Because the reality of it is, is divorce increases after children leave the home. Even in Christian homes. Christian. Not Christ-centered homes, though. You're riding down the road and you see a rainbow. And your child says, look at the pretty rainbow, Mommy. What's wrong with looking at him and saying, yeah, look what the Lord's blessed us with today. Do you know what the rainbow means? Intentional conversation. That'll lead to talking about the promises of God. Now, all of a sudden, God becomes part of your daily conversation. The second thing that you have to do and really have in a blessed home is make church a non-negotiable. Make church a non-negotiable. Well, you just said rules without relationship leads to rebellion. David said, and I was glad when they said unto me, let us go to the house of the Lord and worship. If your children, watch this, I'm 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 gonna come for you a little bit this morning. Go ahead and pull your toes in. If your children are rebellious against church, it's not that they're rebellious against church as much as they are rebellious against what you have lived out in front of them. The reality of it is you haven't lived it in sincerity enough for them to want it. There's people in this church, I won't call them by name, but I absolutely could. The reason why their family's here is because they came, they got saved, they got baptized, Jesus totally changed their life. They quit drinking, drugging. They quit chewing, whatever. And all of a sudden, their family was like, what's, what's going on with him? What's going on with her? 
And next thing you know, the brother's here. Next thing you know, the mama's here. Next thing you know, the daughter's here. Why? Because what they were living, they didn't even probably have to invite them to church. A lot of people, if you really live this thing out loud daily in front of those that you love, they will invite themselves because you don't need no invite to this table. It's a come as you are table. Make church a non-negotiable. We're in the midst right now, listen to me, we're in the midst of pouring thousands of dollars into a center right down here called Dominion Learning Center. Uh, and, and for those of you that feel real generous, just got a quote yesterday on, on just putting plumbing in the bathrooms and, and got a quote of $18,000. Just to put the plumbing down, just the pipes in the ground. I said, next. Anyways, moving on. Council of Business just said, good Lord. Um, but we are in the midst of pouring thousands of dollars into a children's center on the other side of this building to give them a place where they can encounter Jesus on their level. And so that you can see pictures like this. Show them the picture that I saw that Jessica Hatcher shared. Let me tell you something, man. I want a home where that's a non-negotiable. Why do I need my kids here? Because I want them to encounter Jesus with kids on their level. And Jess's post, is, I just screenshotted off Facebook, didn't even tell her I was doing it. Jess is here. Can we give it up for those that serve in children's church? It says, mamas, we prayed for you during our Wednesday service. Dominion Church, Kingdom Kids. Why should church become a non-negotiable? Because God has entrusted us with generations. And it's our job to raise them in the fear and admonition of the Lord. This church has a vision to see children encounter Jesus. Why? Because I got news for you. The world's not getting any better. It's going to get worse. And we need a church that opens up to allow children to experience Jesus, to encounter Jesus, to be filled with the Holy Ghost. I'm desiring to see the day that six-year-olds grab the microphone and prophesy a word from the Lord. I desire to see that generation baptized in the Holy Ghost, talking in tongues, casting out devils, preaching the gospel wherever they are. You say, well, preacher, you sound a little fanatic. No, let me tell you something. That's a little biblical. For in the last days, says the Spirit of God, I will pour out my Spirit on all flesh. Your sons and daughters shall prophesy. It's not coming. It's here. It's upon us. We're in the last days, and Dominion Church will be a place that cultivates a place for that generation to know that you are free to worship Jesus here. The third thing. in creating hunger in your home is show how seeking and serving God is fun. God should never be just the reality of, oh, if you're going to serve God. Like one thing I've, I haven't done, I have, I've been intentional not to do this. And let's be honest, it's been on my lips. Harper's gotten saved, praise God. She got baptized, praise God. But Harper will haul off and punch her brother in the face. <laughs> One thing I've been intentional not to do is say this. Now, you're supposed to be a Christian. Because, bro, let me tell you something. If every time Harper does something wrong, all she hears about is how she's supposed to be something, rules without relationship will create rebellion. And Harper, as much as she walked towards Jesus, will turn around and walk away from Jesus. I'll, be, I'll tell you why. Because if all you're going to do is watch my walk to tell me everything I can't do, 
then you're never going to empower me to do what I can do. I'm closing. Stand with me all over the house. Show them how serving God and seeking God is fun. When's the last time you talked to your kids about their dreams? If you'll ask them, they'll tell you. Hey, did you dream last night? Yeah, yeah, I dreamed. What did you, what did you dream about? Listen to me, because there's mamas in this, in this room, and you got a child that's 45 years old. I understand that. When's the last time you talked to your child about their dreams? Not just what they slept and dreamed, but what they desired to be and become. When's the last time you looked at somebody in your household and asked them, what is God saying to you? Come on. What is God saying to you? Wife, when is the last time that you looked at your husband and said to him, what is God saying to you? Husbands, when's the last time you looked at your wife and said, hey, I feel like I should do this. What do you think? What's, what's God telling you? What's the spirit of Christ speaking to you? Let me give you something today that you can all walk away here from. God is not only speaking to you. He desires to bless your home. And that means everybody that is in it. Wives, when's the last time that you had a bad day and you come home and you ask your husband, pray for me. And husband, when she does that, don't say, okay. What's wrong with walking up to her, grabbing her hands and saying, Lord, she's had a tough day. Ease her mind, ease her pain, ease her trouble. I'm talking about being intentional with this thing, not just here, but in our homes. Because how does Dominion Church become truly a blessed church? It is only substantial to the homes that it's connected to. Your homes have to be blessed for this ministry to truly be blessed. We cannot advance the gospel of the kingdom with homes that are broken, with marriages that are falling apart. Though you're winning souls, but you're losing your home. The Bible says, what does it profit a man to gain the whole world and lose his own soul? God took that scripture and asked me he said Kyle what does it profit the world that what does it profit you that if you go win the whole world and lose your home I was young and zealous in ministry and God said you can go win them all but what good is it if your own family perishes in the flames of hell the reality of it is this you don't have to tell your 19 year old daughter not to have sex You don't have to tell your 16-year-old boy not to get caught up in porn. You don't have to tell them to be good when they're in relationship with the one whose name is called good. You want good children? Just introduce them to the one that is good. Quit trying to fix their behavior and let Christ fix their heart. You don't have, wife, listen to me. You don't have to get a better husband. God knows they come with baggage, more baggage. They look good on fake book. But then after you find out who they really are, you'll find out they just as messed up, jacked up. Some of them tore up worse than the first one you left. Husbands, don't get caught up in the way she looks. There's so many filters on her face that when the makeup was gone, some of y'all got that. Some of y'all got that. Just introduce them to the one that is good. Pray for your husband 
to know the one that is good. You don't need a good husband. You got one. You just need to introduce him to the one that is good. You don't need a good wife. You just need to introduce her to the one that is good. I'm talking about your home being blessed this morning. And it's only going to be blessed as you hunger and thirst after righteousness. And God says when you do, he will fill your home. Joshua 24 and 15 says, then choose yourselves today whom you'll serve. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. You better look at it today. Choose, it says, yourselves this day whom you will serve. Choose yourselves this day. Turn to your neighbor and say, this day. Not tomorrow, not go home and pour out all the whiskey, not go home and tear up the cigarettes and burn the porn magazines. Don't wait till you do it then. He said, choose for yourselves this day whom you will serve. And as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. The reality is of the Meyer household, we're not looking to be another Christian family. We're looking to be a Christ-centered home. We're not a perfect family. We're not a perfect, we're not perfect parents. We don't have a perfect marriage. We don't have perfect children. But one thing is that we do have is we do have Christ at the center of our home. C.S. Lewis said, if I find myself, if I find in myself a desire which no experience in this world can satisfy, the most probable explanation is that I was made for another world. Some of y'all are looking to fill your house with something that cannot fill it. More cars and better jobs, better raises, more toys, more boats, more, more land, more all this. None of that will fill it. Matthew 5 said, hunger and thirst after righteousness, and then you will find something being filled. Matthew 6 and 33 said, seek the kingdom of God first, and everything else will be added unto you. Seek the kingdom of God above all else. Live righteously. And he will give you everything that you need.